Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Always glad to have this young lady on. She's a member of the family. You see her on Newsmax TV. You also read her on The Daily Caller. It's Kay Smythe. Kay, how are you? Good to see you. I'm great, Joe. How are you? I'm living the dream. Cray News with Kay on a Monday, one of my favorite segments of the entire week. You've got a bunch of incredible stories to get to. In fact, you're so geeked out because you're this like alien space researcher person that NASA, I don't know, listen, can I be honest with you? Can I be honest? I wasn't listening much in the pre-interview. Something about you can move the moon to avoid the asteroids. What the hell are you talking about? What is this thing from NASA? (laughs) (laughs) Joe, this is actually kind of crazy because by the time this airs on, like, after the pre-record, we might know for sure if uh, Earth or NASA, all these different international space agencies can actually deflect the course of an asteroid on its way to Earth. So what? you know like how the dinosaurs died because of an asteroid impact yes. in the Yucatan Peninsula? Most okay, most don't know that. Most just think they died. No, something bad happened. Right, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. it was a massive cataclysmic event. It sent more dust and dirt up into the atmosphere. I mean, it took until, I think, earlier this year, I also wrote this story, uh, we have identified fossils with fragments in them from the asteroid impact. So the moment of impact, it literally ripped the entire world apart. It's wild stuff. So obviously there's a concern for if an asteroid of even just like, I think it's like 500 feet, like a small asteroid by anyone's sort of, you know, estimates, the one that killed the dinosaurs was several several miles long. I think it's about six Somewhere between six and eleven miles long. I don't know. I read okay, a lot I mean, about look, this You and I here. agree. I don't want a big giant rock hitting the Earth, but you're telling yeah. me we can deflect it. What do you mean? What well, are you talking about? we'll know by tonight whether we can or not because NASA has sent up this like space stationy thing. That's a technical term. It's going <laughs> to smash into the moon of an asteroid to move that moon because there's like a big asteroid and a small asteroid that's orbiting it. So, yeah, basically, NASA's going to go blow up some stuff in space. It's going to be wild. We're not going to have to send Bruce Willis to deflect the future asteroid. We can do it on an unmanned ship. And that is science, and that is cool. So you're telling me that that asteroids have their own moons, and the moons somehow help to direct where they're going, and you could change the trajectory by, by blowing up the moon? Well, what we're hoping is to deflect the trajectory of the moon by ramming a space shuttle into it. Are you? Are you? Are you? Are you high right now? <laughs> I'm actually that... not. Who it? <laughs> so, so because this sounds like a Bruce Willis movie. Um, yeah. All right. So you're literally telling me that we're gonna we're gonna smash a space shuttle unmanned. God forbid. It's unmanned. We don't want anybody on there. And, and if, it, if it hits the moon of an asteroid, you can make the asteroid not, not kill us all. Uh, the moon of the asteroid, not the asteroid itself. The asteroid itself isn't going right. to come anywhere near us, this particular one. Neither is the moon, technically. But we're doing it to see if we can, just in case a giant asteroid does head towards us at some point in the future. So we're going to well, hold on, on hold on. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, there's a giant asteroid that's not going to hit us. We're safe. Yeah. So let's screw with the moon of the asteroid to see if we can't make it come at us. Oh, yeah, exactly. What what if it takes a bad turn? Well, that's the thing.
thing. Honestly, like we've needed some kind of, you know, everyone goes off about the whole WEF great reset. Let's just not do that. Let's just have, let's blow up the moon of an asteroid, have that wreak carnage all over the earth, and then we'll just reset that way instead. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's stupid, Joe. <laughs> Honestly, it's stupid. It's scientists going, I want to do a thing. But and you love someone it. someone with lots of money being like, here's the money to do the crazy thing. But you look how lit up it. you are. You're so lit up by this. You actually like this this stuff. I love it. It's very I interesting. It. It's K-Smythe. Go to ksmythe.com and Smythe has an E at the end and a Y in it because she's very British. Well, very, very UK-E-N. Um, all right, let's go to the next one. Uh, obviously, a big story, a big news story. Uh, we actually had an interview canceled today because she's based in Florida. The hurricane is, is heading towards Florida. I've been through many, many hurricanes. Grew up in South Florida. I used to fly from New York or, or Michigan, wherever I happened to be based, to go cover hurricanes when they were hitting because it's a pretty exciting time. But this thing could be pretty bad. You're telling me it could go up the entire East Coast. Oh, I mean, we're going to feel it here in North Carolina by, I think, Friday. You know, we were already seeing, I was down at Carolina Beach all weekend, not that far from Wilmington, and we had storm surges coming in in crystal blue skies. It was insane. Again, just like the asteroid, when you look at Mother Nature, when you look at Earth, the impact, it it's not just the eye of the storm that causes damage when it comes to hurricanes. It's all the stuff that circulates around that storm and can be affected. The entirety of the eastern seaboard could be affected. But realistically, given the strength that we're seeing in Hurricane Ian right now, it's probably not going to go that much further north than North Carolina in terms of impact. But who knows? Could change direction overnight. But I think for all of your listeners down in Florida, the most important thing is, is if you live on a single story, if you live in a floodplain, go somewhere else. Yeah. Like if this thing really hits, Joe, if this thing really hits as it's expected to, I mean, we haven't seen storms with this much potential for a very long time. I don't want to liken it to Katrina because that was more, Katrina was a bad storm. It was an infrastructural issue that yes. destroyed New Orleans. It wasn't the storm. But we don't really know how this could affect Florida on sort of a macro level. And so I think the safest thing to do is just get up high, get all of your like most treasured possessions, your pets, your family, get them up high, get them safe, sandbags, the works. Listen to what DeSantis is telling you, not Biden, but you should do that in your day-to-day -day lives anyway. <laughs> um, you know, plus, you know, most people can't understand what Biden's saying. So why would you listen to him? I couldn't, um, agree. I couldn't agree more. I've got to give you a little story. I was a TV news anchor in Lansing, yeah. Michigan, and Hurricane George was coming in. And you you don't remember Hurricane George, I'm sure. And by the way, you're right about Katrina. It was a, it, I think it was a Category 3. It was not that big, bad a storm, although it stayed too long in New Orleans. Um, it was a slow-moving storm. And you're right. I mean, the infrastructure, the, the, the Army Corps of Engineers and whatever they built to, you know, to, to keep the water out didn't work. You've got Farrakhan saying that George W. Bush blew up the... Um, you know, the, the, the things that were holding back the water. The whole thing was just a big freaking mess. But there was so much mismanagement in Louisiana and New Orleans. That's why that happened. I was actually on the air in 1991 when Hurricane Andrew came to Florida, to South Florida. It was a Category 5. That was a badass. That, that hurricane wasn't messing around. Flattened entire cities. So listen to what Kay said and get out of the way. But Hurricane George was around 2000, maybe 1999. And I was going on vacation in Florida. So we left Lansing and realized that Hurricane George was going to hit the, the, the Gulf Coast of Florida. We got in the car as soon as we landed, drove straight out. My parents drove, and we all just went out to go for me to do a live shot on my TV station back in Lansing, Michigan for Hurricane George. And, and I'm standing there, 
and I'm just knocking it out. I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm a pretty big guy, so I'm not pretending that it's knocking me off my feet like these other doofuses do when they stand in the middle of the storm. But we did a great report. We got it done. And I immediately went to my email, okay? Because email was the big deal. We didn't have Twitter. didn't have any of that crap. And people are going to tell me how great I did, right? The email I get is from a guy who said, I can't believe how selfish and desperate you are that you put your entire crew at risk to go and stand in a hurricane like a badass. And here I was, like we like flew in just on vacation when it's supposed to work. And we went and did this live shot. And the assumption by this guy was that I had like a staff of 50 that were propping me up and, and putting their lives at risk. When it was just a, like a little family in a, in, a, in a van. You know what? We just drove out there and did it. I mean, that's, that's how silly the hurricane's going to get in Florida. But... It can get very serious, without a doubt. Listen to what Kay said. Listen to what DeSantis says. But, but when you watch these people on the air, trust me, most of them, the vast majority, are not in harm's way. And I, and I wasn't that day. Just thought I'd relay that to you. And that's a fun story. That's fascinating. I think we should talk more about this off air. Because I actually have to go to Florida, not this coming weekend. <laughs> yeah, don't go this the weekend. weekend. after, yeah. I'm speaking on The Great Reset. And I think I'm also doing... Is that where Amfest is? Yes, yes, I'm going to be at the Trump Doral in Miami, um, and you know I'm taking John and Stan with me, my dog and my boyfriend, and I'm like, hey, you know, there's like this huge storm rolling through. Now, given we expect that it's going to hit the Tampa area, right. it's going to hit that coast far harder. It, it, it looks like Pinellas County, right? But again, you never know with these storms, Joe. You never know. People say, oh, once it hits land, it's going to like dissipate. It's going to calm down. Maybe, maybe it will. We actually haven't tracked weather for long enough to know that for sure. Like, we don't know. This could be a one in a thousand year storm. Who knows? I'm not trying to scaremonger, but I think it's always better to be prepared than not. Right. I just, you know, pray for Florida. I think everything's going to be okay and safe given the leadership they have there. But I am also scared for my well-being when I go to Miami. So we'll talk right. about this all fast. Well, I, I look forward to it. And what's interesting is you're right. Um, hurricanes, when they go over land, do dissipate. The problem is Florida is uh, is an isthmus. And, uh, and it just goes up the land while feeding off the warm water of the Gulf and then the cooler water of the Atlantic. And that's why a lot of these hurricanes do end up going up the East Coast because Florida isn't a big enough landmass. Like if it hits Texas, and, and God forbid, we don't want it, but if it hits Texas, sooner than later, it's going to dissipate because you've got all land. You're, you're landlocked once you get up there. But, I mean, with the East Coast and with Florida, you're just feeding off the water the entire time. So to be one to watch, I, I hope that it's not so bad. It does, I mean, you could tell that I'm from Florida. We got very excited when a hurricane was coming. Most of them didn't do much of anything. Andrew woke us up in a big way back in 1991. You know, Sam was almost named Andrea because of Andrew. I did know that story, yeah. which yeah. I absolutely love. I absolutely but love But she's a Sam, though. She could not. That, that was almost her name. She couldn't not be Sam, though. She's a Samantha, without a doubt. Uh, it is yeah. uh, it is Smythe. Go to Ksmythe.com. And if you're anywhere near South Florida, go to Trump Doral and go see Amfest and go see her speak. It's amazing. All right, let, let's, uh, let's do Tucker. Um, I don't. Uh, listen. I've said this on my show. I'm great at what I do, and I'm a great monologuist, to be honest. But I think Tucker Carlson's the best monologuist in the business. When I, I watch him, I, I tape it, I DVR it every night, and I watch it later on because he's excellent at what he does. But then again, he shows up in the weirdest places. Why would this guy? I, I, it, it blows my mind. And you're going to give me a good reason, I'm sure. But he's at the, the, the funeral of the founder of the Hells Angels, Tucker Carlson. Fill me yeah. in. Joe, I saw this actually on the Daily Mail. So just so people know, Tucker Carlson co-founded the Daily Caller. 
So I I love telling all of my extremist liberal people who I either friends, family with, or who I just meet on the street, you know, they're like, what do you do for a living? I was like, oh, I work for a, a news outlet that was co-founded by Tucker Carlson, which was <laughs> their faces fall. Um, and I credit Tucker, uh, Mr. Carlson, with a huge part of my shift over to the conservative movement. We've talked about this a lot. Yes. Yeah, so I see on the Daily Mail, and I take everything I see on the Daily Mail with a pinch of salt, as everyone should. Right. But I'm like, wait, there are pictures here of Tucker in Stockton attending Sonny Barger's funeral. So I wrote up when Sonny Barger died. So I, this is not something I like super like to get into anymore. Right. Um, I moved to California with the support and the help of a bunch of ex-gang members, some of whom are now actually actors on the show Mayans MC, which is wow. a spin-off of Sons of Anarchy, epic. Well, Mayans is terrible, but Sons of Anarchy is an epic hey, can show. I, can I just tell you, I, I, I love Sons. Watch two episodes of Mayans. What, trash. Just, just, not, just not good. I yeah, don't know what the hell happened. Something. Trash. All right, so what is the connection between Tucker Carlson and the Hells Angels? I w- it blew my mind when I saw this story. They asked him to come and speak. And honestly, Joe, I've I've written pieces before. I'm like, is Tucker going to run for president? But the speech he gave, I mean, he was clearly moved by, you know, 7,000 people showed up two months after this guy, or even more than that, three months maybe after he died, to honor this man who founded one of the sort of great modern brotherhoods in America. Now, a lot of people don't like the organized crime aspect of the Hells Angels, which is completely understandable, but they are a motorcycle club. They evolved from their roots. Sonny did his time and they have evolved into a motorcycle club. They are no longer a gang. And I think, I think it speaks to a lot of liberals kind of tend to attack Tucker saying he's like this pretentious, like Southern California, um, you know, prep school, white boy or whatever. But he's not that. He speaks to the real American people right. far more so and in a much more understanding way than anyone you see on anyone you see on the left. Yes. I mean, like when I turn on CNN and these different like, you know, MSNBC, because I have to watch these networks for work. I feel like I'm being spoken down to by some idiot child whose PhD I'm ghostwriting because they're too stupid to do it themselves. <laughs> and PhDs aren't that hard to get in this day and age. Sorry, everyone, they're not. Okay. Um, I I started watching Tucker years ago, and I was like, here I am, an immigrant who specializes in data and research to focus on mitigating the major problems facing our species. And here's this guy who I'm being told to hate, who's the only one pointing at these problems and saying, hey, guys, we need to deal with these problems now. And speaking to the data that I've researched, like he is he truly is a man of the people. And this is, you know, I've been a huge fan and I've spoken about what a fan I am of his since years before I ended up working at the caller. I ended up working at the caller because a friend of a friend introduced me to Henry Rogers and I kind of talked myself into a contributorship and it went from there. You know, it certainly wasn't any sort of traditional job you know, application by any means. And I think that's something that the right don't really, I don't think a lot of people in politics on the right understand how much they speak to 
every single American outside of the major cities. Like, you know, John and I, we go out to the countryside here every single weekend. It's where our friends live. It's where our family live. We'd love to live out there. Um, I get stopped more in gas stations in rural North Carolina with people going, don't I recognize you from Newsmax? Or do have I seen you on Fox News? Very cool. Than I do in any of the cities. And I just think... This is who these people like. This is who these people tune into because they understand the problems that are facing real Americans. People on the right understand what those problems are and are actively trying to mitigate them, which other people don't. And when you look at the Hell's Angels, like these gangs start out of a sense of camaraderie and from the disenfranchisement with politicians and with that kind of overarching idea of like the man. And I've always been a fairly anti-establishment person. So I think naturally I kind of fell into like both sides of this, right? right. Like I have a real endearment for anyone who can live outside of the bounds of, you know, traditional governance and create their own community. Yeah, you might have a local mayor. Yeah, you might have a local politician, but it's your immediate community. It's your church leaders. It's your local judges. It's the people who run the local community outreach programs who actually do more help for real Americans than the sort of left-leaning politicians. And what I loved was that with Tucker's speech, he kind of embodied all of these different parties in one. And he stood up and he spoke value to a man's life who did actually bring a lot of value in a moment where people really needed to sit down, listen, and see those divides between sort of the classes, the wealth, and all of that fall apart. What I saw in the videos I saw, in the pictures, in the reports that I read on Tucker being at this funeral, what I saw was someone actually bringing every single demographic you could possibly list out together. And he did it because it was the right thing to do, not because he's looking for votes. And and I love that. He's been attacked because of it, and and that's too bad, but he doesn't care about the attacks. Uh, Kay, we're frankly out of time. I appreciate you. It's Kay Smythe, K-S-M-Y-T-H-E dot com. Go there and uh, go follow everything she does. Watch her on Newsmax on Sunday mornings at least. She's here on Monday and or Tuesday or maybe even more during the week on my show. And, of course, read everything on The Daily Caller. Kay, thanks a million. Thanks so much, Joe. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. Got to get out of here. I appreciate you checking us out on a Monday, back on a Tuesday uh, for Polo, for Carrie, for Sam. I'm Joe. Back tomorrow. Hopefully, you had a good. If you like any of those interviews, go check them out. Just go to the website. Check out Rumble tonight as well. Have a good night. This is the Joe Pegg Show.